and welcome to another episode of the Mountain Bikes Apart podcast. This is the show where we cover everything mountain biking from equipment to trail guides and everything in between. I'm Colin Gray, as always, and I'm joined this week by Tom Bell. How you doing, Tom? Good to speak to you, Colin. How's things? Very well, very well. So uh, what's going on in the bike world these days? Well, just uh, for me, at least, just a <laughs> daily kind of grind of the, the training plan, uh, getting out on the mountain bike while the trails are still dry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just generally enjoying it, really. You're already thinking about winter. Yeah, it's uh, never too far away from my thoughts, is the uh, UK winter. Um, yeah. And uh, can't say I'm looking forward to it. But, um, uh, I've been I've been taking steps for that, actually, very recently, which I mean, we need to cover properly on an upcoming podcast. But uh, I'll say it here, I've been looking at um, I've been looking at getting involved in the whole world of uh, Zwift. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. Been, been looking at turbo trainers. Uh and um, I've been saving up and I'm going to get myself a really expensive one, like a proper um, assisted pedaling type one. Sorry, that's not what I mean. I mean, variable resistance. Yeah, type smart one. trainer. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and I was looking at the, um, so I did, I purchased one just last week, uh, the Elite Moon, Smart Moon, cool. uh, which is about 400 quid. I thought that was pushing the boat out a bit. I didn't want to go for the full on uh, Wahoo Kicker or the, the TACX Neo, however the hell you say that, TACX. That's what I've been yeah, saying. Yeah, TACX maybe tax uh, yeah that yeah, makes more sense because <laughs> um, they're like coming on for a grand I thought the the turbo moon would do the job but turns out came through the post last week and uh, it's not a variable resistance after all so it can't it can't do the whole uh, like it can connect up to Zwift it can put in power it can put yeah. in uh, all of that stuff give you all the feedback but it can't simulate hills uh, so that was a bit annoying bummer yeah so I think I'm going to just go for it. I think I'm going to pay for, pay for one of the big ones. Yeah, I think I think when it gets to the depths of winter and uh, it's you know been the fifth, sixth, seventh day in a row that you've had to ride indoors, it'll uh, the yeah. investment will start paying for itself. Yeah, well that's the thing. I mean it's it's a lot of money, isn't it? It's basically it a new bike. If yeah, but if if I'm thinking if that gets me on the bike and training on the turbo trainer half a half an hour a week a day even like three days a week or something mm. if it encourages me to do that my plan actually is to do uh, 20 to 30 minutes every morning I want to get up early and just do like a a shortish session um what's your thoughts on that actually like what, what do you think that from your uh research around training is yeah. would it be better to do say two hour long rides? in a week or so that's two hours in total or would it be yeah. better to do like five uh 20 minutes so that's only what's that a uh, hundred so an hour and a half so it's less volume but more regular yeah. what's what's the best do you think yeah i think um if you're short on time then definitely um making those rides yeah i would say uh, five five would be a good it is it is a lot more about consistency and um kind of making the best use of that training time um so with you know 20 30 minute um sessions you can make those very intense and make them um really kind of geared towards generating uh, some good fitness gains yeah um as opposed to sometimes when you go outside on the on the mountain bike it can be um, only for an hour, you know, you, uh, you might struggle to get that same kind of, um, intensity yeah, in there. Yeah. So, uh, definitely trainers are great for making the best use of, of, 
you know, short training time. Yeah. And yeah. Um, maybe sort of four four or five sessions a week interspersed with some, you know, completely complete days off or some easy days um, would be really good. Yeah, cool. sure. Okay. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm thinking that it's, I like the idea of having it all, you know, it's on Strava. So it's like you're riding real trails so you can keep trying to beat your personal bests and uh, race against other people and a bit of variety. So, uh, like the whole not adapting, I guess, to going in the turbo and just doing the same RPMs for yeah. 20 minutes. It's more yeah. of a more of a high intensity interval type of thing, but a bit more fun because you're you're you know playing a game basically. Yeah, that's so, it. I, I haven't yeah. I haven't tried Swift yet, but yeah. I'm def- I'm definitely um, starting to look into it a little bit more. If uh, just because it's it takes turbo training to that kind of like you say next level, and it's yeah. just it's more like playing a game, but you're getting fitter at the same time, which yeah. is quite quite a nice concept and yeah. um it'd be cool to uh to get in there into into those virtual worlds which uh <laughs> dare i say it do look you know quite nice when you when you're uh fully immersed in yeah. there and um it I, i'd be really cool to to yeah compete against other people virtually yeah. but you know the kind of the pain and the uh the fitness element is actually really real and yeah, yeah. um yeah i'd be intrigued to see how you know the the trainers feel when they do vary the resistance yeah. and things like that too. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, I'll report back for sure. Uh, I'm quite open to the fact, to the idea that it might just be a complete gimmick, and I'll uh, I'll drop out of that just as quick as I have any other turbo training programs I've tried in the past. But I'll give it a shot. I think it's worth yeah. the uh, gamble. They they resell really well, actually. They keep their value, so I can sell them. Um, like I think the Neo, you've still got to pay like eight hundred quid on eBay for a mm-hmm. second hand one. So you're even if I used it for six months, sold it again, it's only losing two hundred. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they would. They would yeah. uh, retain the value quite well. I think it's a really. Um, I know what you mean about the, there being some sort of turbo trainee gimmicks and that kind of thing, but it seems like Zwift um, is is really taking off, and people are uh, are actually finding it is a genuinely sort of more enjoyable experience indoors. Um, there's even some professionals that use them really? um, when they're sort of uh, injured or yeah. you know need to keep. Uh, riding but can't sort of hold the bars or something like that so yeah. it'd be interesting to hear hear how you get on cool sure. well definitely hear report back and uh you should get one yourself and then we can have a race at last we, we should definitely do that on the bike i can uh <laughs> set down the uh the uh, the handicap or whatever. <laughs> find some way to uh yeah. get some motorized pedals so i can keep up with you but hey That'd be great. That'd be an interesting podcast, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, do a, a podcast from the bike. Just uh, make ourselves up, and uh, yeah, it's <laughs> you, an idea. You'd be, you'd be talking away normally, and I'd just be uh, panting my ass off. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, to the topic for this week. As you know, if you've been listening along, uh, we're just finishing up the season. So this is officially the last episode of season two where we've been covering the the bike back to front. We've been covering how to set up your bike, all the different components, making sure it's suitable, totally perfectly set up for your type of riding and your type of uh, you know physique. Uh, so we're finishing up with a Q&A on all the questions people have about bike setup and actually just anything. It's not really limited to setup. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've sent in a question, thanks very much. Uh, we answered a few on the last episode. We're going to answer another, I think I've got three people here, four people here who sent in good questions. But we've had another uh, another few as well, and we're going to spread them out over the next season. So we're going to try and put in as many questions as we can from now on and just make it a bit more interactive. So let's dive into it. Kevin Scott 
let's answer your question. Kevin Scott from Scotland. We started off last episode with uh, a guy from uh, Peebles as well, actually. Kevin's from Peebles too. So, um, Kevin asks uh, about apps. This one's a bit lazy, but I'm wanting not to go out and spend 300 quid on a GoPro. Uh, I've seen alternatives. Are there any you recommend in various price brackets? So he understands there's a GoPro app, but is there an app that would double up as a camera or a bike computer, possibly without killing my battery in half a second? (laughs) Um, So he's basically asking, uh, can I use his phone instead of either a GoPro or what do you call them again? The uh, Garmin Edge, basically. Or both, actually. So uh, we talked a little bit about this, didn't we? But um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I personally haven't used my my phone as uh, either a kind of action cam or or a um, a GPS other than just using kind of the Strava app um, before I was just you know you, before I started actually using a Garmin to track everything. Um, uh, the Go you can get a GoPro app, but it's yeah. it requires the GoPro camera. That's what I um, thought as well. Yeah, as well. Yeah, it's kind of like a preview. Um, you can kind of control. Um, essentially, you can use it as use the phone as like a rear, a rear screen, yeah. um, rear LCD. So you can position the camera somewhere and then sort of uh, come away from it and see what the what perspective the camera's. Um, yeah the camera's viewing because yeah, the, kind of the black edition doesn't have a screen on it so you need that basically to build yeah to, to see exactly yeah yeah that's the idea yeah. um the, i mean you can obviously um get some kind of mount um yeah. for an iphone and just use the native camera app mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. the video application or any kind of third party um video app yeah, yeah. and then i guess you, your phone then does turn into an action cam um, so that might be one way to do it. Um, yeah, I would sure. imagine. I would imagine that does drain the battery quite significantly. Yeah. Um, there, I know there are at least for iPhones, and I'm sure for other for other phones as well that you can get kind of an external battery pack yeah. Um, yeah. that kind of bolts on there. So maybe yeah. that's an option. My th- my thoughts on this are: I've I've played around all sorts of bike apps and everything. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's there's two different cases which I'd recommend for this if you want to try it with your phone. There's the uh, quad lock, which is a really good, quite solid uh, case for your phone. I mean, the last thing you want here is to strap your phone to the front of your bike um, with some kind of average little mount. And as you're bouncing down the hill, Mm. your bike, your phone falls off and goes under your wheel, uh, which is not unlikely with some of the mounts I've seen. But uh, quad lock do a great mount, which is really solid. Goes on your handlebars, designed for a bike, designed to hold in a few different types of phones. They don't do every type of phone, but certainly iPhones, some of the big Samsungs, maybe LG as well. Um, so they're a good option. And the mount I use as well is uh, Rockform. So R-O-K-F-O-R-M, uh, I think they're called. And they do a really good bike mount as well that goes on your handlebars. So I've tried it. I have, I've put my, I put, it's designed to use your phone for the other purpose that you're talking about, which is a bike computer. Uh, so it's designed to be able to put your phone there and use it as a GPS. And yeah, there's, there's absolutely tons of apps out there that let you use your bike, uh, your phone as a proper, yeah. basically, I mean, it does the same as a, a, a Garmin 
um, Edge. You can get it to do all of that stuff. Even just Strava on its own does most of it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the, both the quad lock and the rock form mounts are designed to be able to designed to, to simulate that essentially but you can turn over and basically point it forwards and do the video that way so yeah but yeah there's no way around the battery loss um, unless you do sort of get the external battery pack like you say maybe duct tape that onto your your stem or something and then yeah. uh, have a usb cable going between them so that's a possibility certainly yeah um i'm thinking of any names of apps i've tried a few in the past but i can't remember any of them now um but certainly they do exist. <laughs> That's a, a very vague answer, isn't it? Yeah. What we'll do is we'll look up some apps. We'll look up some of the best. I'm sure I can remember if I just have a look through some of the, the apps. I use Strava. I do, All I use is Strava these days. Mm. And I do mount it on my handlebars sometimes. You can see, um, you know, you can see your route sometimes. You can, um, the Garmin, I think Garmin have a navigation app like that as well, don't they? That you can use. They may well do, yeah. Um, like I say, I just use a kind of, standard Garmin Edge but I, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if they if they do do uh, an app that would put all that just straight on a smartphone yeah, um, yeah. and if not, if not Garmin then definitely some other app developer yeah 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 so absolutely what we'll do is we'll track down uh, links to a couple of decent apps that do this uh, and get some recommendations but yeah there's something that is most certainly possible and I hope that those um, mount uh, tips uh, will help you a little bit um, I've actually just bought a GoPro as well. <laughs> so I'm going to feed back a little bit on that, using that uh, sometime soon too, because uh, I just, I couldn't resist anymore. So yeah. I've been treating myself, I've been spending too much lately. <laughs> treating myself <laughs> to too many gadgets. Yeah, um, the, the next thing that I was, because I've also got a GoPro, um, the next thing I was looking at is uh, investing in a gimbal um, just to try and stabilize some of the footage because okay. um, you can get you can get some of these um, electronic uh, you know, stabilization gimbals for uh, the chest mount that you oh, can buy okay. for the GoPro, yeah. and they they look fantastic. Uh, so they actually move the camera; they point they the do. camera. Really? That's yeah. So it's it's like a mount that kind of um, moves. So instead yeah. of it just being still and shaking around, it actually yeah. sort of nullifies all of that Compensate. vibration by moving it slightly. Um, That's amazing. You know, all the time, and it it comes out really really smooth. Um, kind of looks like a follow cam. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that I, cool. expensive, <laughs> but could be worth could be worth it if yeah. uh, if videos you think. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, Kevin goes on to ask. Uh, you briefly touched on people who are considered fit but struggle when it comes to mountain biking. Uh, so it's a good question. I can say he says I consider myself a decent treadmill runner. Um, so are there any specific exercises, uh, machines that you recommend for people who are already really fit, um, but to prepare them for the hard uphill slog on a bike? Um, so that's a good question. Like, can you think like, so somebody who's a really good runner, um, but wants to get in a bike, what are the muscles that they might not have already or any exercises that might prepare them for things that are different between running and biking? Yeah. So I think, I think when you're climbing uh, on a bike, it's, generally um your hams the hamstrings get get a lot of uh get a lot of flack and uh get you know uh, have to carry quite a lot of um uh, a lot of power you know you have to put out a lot of power using the hamstrings i think they're they're mainly used on the on the downstroke um and then the quads kind of come in more for the upstroke so certainly the the quadriceps and the hamstrings um i'm not entirely sure which you you you'd might 
you know, you'd be weaker in uh, if you were just a runner. As a runner, yeah. Yeah, but um, it's kind of basic exercises that you can just, just find online for, for hamstrings um, would be a good one just because I know quite a few people um, struggle with cramp in that area sometimes when it comes to steep climbs. So that might be a, that might be an area to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well, we, uh, I think we mentioned this before It's a lot of it's about technique as well, being inefficient. Mm-hmm. So even just, uh, if you're taking somebody out and you want them to be able to keep up, if this is why you're asking Kevin, if it's about taking out pals and hoping that they'll enjoy it as opposed to just hating it because it's much harder um even just 10 minutes at the bottom of the hill just going through a bit of technique in terms of cadence in terms of you know silly little things that we kind of take for granted like how to start off like a lot of people i see a lot of people who haven't done a lot of riding before you know they they jump on a bike on an uphill and they have their pedal at the bottom of the stroke because that's kind of the most a natural place to have it sometimes because it's nice yeah. and low um, but obviously then they're trying to push from the top one basically instead it's not in the right place what you want is to have your pedals horizontal and to push down on it and that's an easier way to start off and silly little technique things like that can make such a difference because people just you know uh, they don't keep falling off and having to start up again and all that kind of stuff so yeah not just the exercise but just a wee bit of technique can make all the difference yeah, definitely. Hopefully we might um, cover some of that on uh, yeah. the, the next season when we come yeah. to, to more technique-based discussion. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Okay. Uh, right. Let's go on to Gavin. So Gavin Clafton wrote in uh, with a few different points. Um he said at the start, very kindly, I mainly wanted to just say thank you for the time and effort you've uh, make to, uh, bleh, I'll start that again I mainly want just just say thank you for the time and effort to make the great podcasts I travel a lot with work and save your podcasts for flights and those awkward meals for one where sat with his earphones <laughs> in uh, he has us for company <laughs> so that's, uh, that's good we're sitting having dinner with really nice. Gavin um, <laughs> I'm new to mountain biking and I've just splashed out on a second hand trek fuel 9 over Christmas very nice uh, pretty sporty though and very competitive so he spent a lot of time on YouTube reading a great book by Corm- Cormac and Lopez called Master Mountain Bike Skills great bike a great book even uh, I've read that tons of times over in fact we'll probably be drawing from that a little bit with our mm. uh, techniques uh, <laughs> techniques series because yeah. uh, there's so much good stuff in that book but Cormac and Lopez it's called Mastering Mountain Biking Skills um, I've actually got a review on the website if you want to go along to Mountain Bikes Part I'll link to it from the show notes uh, go to mountainbikespart.com forward slash 216 this episode is no 217 so mountainbikespart.com forward slash 217 you'll get a link to an article about that um, it might even be 218 uh, I'm looking at oh really I'm looking at the notes and it says 217 but I could be wrong <laughs> anyway yeah, one uh, of the two <laughs> yeah <laughs> if it's 217 you'll be able to go through to 218 um, so yeah he says he's been able to do his first manual based on this uh, for a meter or so and feeling pretty sh- chuffed so that's great uh, obviously getting pretty good if you're uh, agent to manual for a wee bit as well so his question is um, how good right okay wait a minute I'll start here how do you know what level biker you are and what you need to do to get to the next step so it's a bit of a conceptual one here he goes on mm. to a better question not a better question that's not the right thing to say a more specific question again, any any quick thoughts on that how do, how do you tell what level you're at and what you need to do to get to the next step yeah like you say it's quite it's quite a conceptual idea and um 
that there isn't sort of um, a concrete grading system. Um, I guess when it comes to trails, you obviously got um, red trails and black trails. Mm -hmm. um, So that might be able to uh, help categorize you in in some way. And blue as well. Um, And blue uh, right the way down to, yeah, blues and greens. uh, Typically, at least in uh, the UK, um, they're typically a beginner or more. Uh, tamer trails and then you've got the red and the black which are a little bit more challenging um so maybe just uh start start sort of easy and then work your way up and then that could be a that could be a way to kind of gauge um where you where you're at um and then in in competition as well you've kind of got different categories as well so yeah absolutely i'm sorry what i was going to say was it's it's a good question though because it's i know that Certainly, I've got to this stage in the past, and friends of mine as well, and other people I've talked to, where you you know you're you think of yourself as decent. You're you're not a beginner anymore, but you're still you're not really improving that quickly anymore. You know you're t- you're trying to time yourself in sections of uh, of the trail, or you're mm. you're you've got an idea that you're maybe not getting much faster, and it's it's a good idea to be able to figure out what the next best thing is to improve, like whether you might gain the best benefit out of trying to improve your cornering or whether your benefit is more out of climbing actually, or whether it's about figuring out whether you can do better jumps and actually just be able to clear stuff and, you know, being able to figure out what the next skill you should try and improve is because if you do want to get really good, you have to actually sort of plan it out a bit like that. I think it's, mm. it's not just about practice, 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 just doing everything all at once. It's probably about focusing on certain skills. Um, certainly that's what the way I would think about it. As a racer, is that is that something you do? Do you break down the skills that you have, the different types of riding and practice specifically? Yeah, um, personally, definitely I do that um, just because I'm sort of now getting uh, more towards trying to close those sort of last few, you know, percent um, gaps in performance. So I'm definitely always looking at um, where I might be weak um, and how I can potentially improve on that. Um, So you do definitely break it down in terms of, you know, like you said, cornering or um, rocky descents or steep descents or uh, flat sections, um, any kind of way you can, you can split it up and, um, and analyze where you might be falling short. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely look at those things. So, so how do you do that? How do you analyze where your weaknesses are? Um, I think I can kind of, in racing, I can kind of judge it where I might be sort of losing a wheel or losing a bit of ground. Um, we keep raving on about Strava, but um, it's it's really good in terms of uh, breaking down those sections for you. So you can see, um, on a leaderboard, whether you're, um, closer to the top on a descent way, whereas you might be, um, fairly far down on a climb or vice versa. So, um, Strava is a really good one for that. And there, there are obviously segments all over the place. Um, most of the time when you're riding, you'll find, uh, loads of segments on any kind of ride you'll do. So, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, um, sure. I've, I've definitely used Strava for that. Yeah, and you can make your own segments, of course. So you, of course, yeah. uh, like if you have your local trail that has lots of really good little sections in particular, you know, if there's a section with five or six berms all linked together that takes you 30 seconds a minute to get down, then that's a really good thing to t- to to 
segment and then you can time yourself on it and see if that's something that's and even comparing that lets you compare yourself to other people doesn't it so you might be you might be on your local trail that isn't that busy you might be like maybe there's 30 people ride it quite often and you know you're fifth out of 30 for the climbing but actually you're 29th out of 30 for the 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 burmy section so you can actually get an idea there um it's even just i mean this sounds common sense but it's even just taking a ride and being really aware of the people around you so go with two or three three friends and try and stay quite close together so try and do it as a proper little group ride have a guy in front of you who's a similar type of level and just try and be really aware of when you're being held up and when you are he's getting away from you see if it's the you know the technical bits if it's the rocky stuff he's getting right away from you because he's better technically or if it's the corners you're catching right up on him so actually that's something you don't need to concentrate on i think just just having it in your head and being aware of it is is the first step to improving anything um because there's a lot of times we just kind of sail through doing stuff and we don't really think about it and uh, yeah first the first step thinking about it and suddenly you, you you see places where you have weaknesses where you didn't notice it before yeah absolutely i think the uh the golden rule that uh kind of piece of advice that most people get is just to ride with uh riders that are that are, you know better than you yeah, yeah um so you can kind of uh something to compare against but also just learn a lot from so that's yeah. a good way to kind of step up uh at your level kind of thing yeah, yeah cool Okay, I hope that helped, Gavin. That was, yeah, I kind of thought that it was a hard question to answer, but actually it's a really good question and it's there's a lot of stuff in there. Might have to go through a bit more of that in future. Yeah, that could be a good uh, good episode all in itself, I think. Yeah. He's got a, a second question, which is actually really good too, around uh, racing. He says, what I'd like to know is how good do I need to be to enter a few fun races to add a competitive edge? And what type of events are there for people just wanting fun competitions? Um, and he adds on being an avid golfer, you know where you fit into the pecking order with the handicap system and there are competitions for all abilities. Um and it's a good point. Uh, you know, it's quite obvious with golf, um, mm. but is it the same with biking? Yeah, I think there are fairly, um, you know, delineated categories um, within within most races. So they usually go from um, either fun or fun or open category, usually a kind of grassroots kind of uh, level stuff. Um, and then actually for, for the cross country races at least, and, uh, and I'm sure for, for other disciplines, um, you've got to have a specific license to, to race in other categories anyway. So, um, any of those categories that are kind of open to anyone or just, you know, are called fun or open or something like that would be a good place to start. And then again, you can, um, you'll be aware of where you kind of stack up yeah. and then you can kind of start, um, working your way up or, or learning what you need to do to actually make that next step. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of things uh, from my point of view. I, th- <clears throat> I find a lot of my friends, so I've done a lot of races in the past and I'm rubbish at them. I'm like bottom <laughs> 5% every single time. Um, but I love them. It's great fun. And a lot of my friends won't do races. They won't get that experience because they're a little bit afraid of being like not as good as others it's mm. crazy it's it's like it's missing out on this experience that it's it's the atmosphere it's the camaraderie it's uh it's just the experience of being in this event that has been orc there's something about the sort of whole organization and atmosphere around it that's just mm. great fun so what i would say is don't worry about whether you're good enough like like you say tom uh there's always races it's quite obvious i think if 
if a race is not for beginners. It's it, either you won't be able to enter because you need a license, or it'll be it'll be plastered all over it that this is an elite race or something yeah. like that. And if they don't say it's an elite race, it's almost certainly open to anyone, and mm-hmm. and you should enter it just to try it out. Um, certainly, the 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 cross country series, the Scottish cross country series up here has four categories I think and one mm-hmm. of them like you say is called fun it's called fun beginners novice whatever you want to call it so it's quite obvious that that is for um, somebody like yourself Gavin and um, and that can be quite good because it makes it less intimidating because it's made so obvious but races that don't mention that races that don't have different categories uh, particularly I would say enduros so look out a few enduros because the great thing about an enduro is that you're not racing alongside people necessarily. It's mm. the idea of an enduro is that um, there's maybe ten sections, maybe five to ten sections of the of the course which you race, but in between you're actually just cycling around. You, it's not timed, so you'll start off, uh, for example, the, the Perthshire enduro, which is really close by where I live. Uh, you're all in the centre of Perth, the city. Uh, they fire the gun, but you'll just like amble off because <laughs> this bit's not timed. Yeah. Your goal at the start is basically to follow the directions to the first timed section. So there's like a 20 minute ride where you're riding uphill, you're riding all over the place to try and find this section. Well, it's not try and find, you're guided to this section, but mm. people are chatting, you know, it's good fun. You're getting to know each other. You take a few friends and then you get to that section and then you're timed on that. But it's only two or three minutes, maybe even only 30 seconds sometimes. Mm. So you have this race whereby you're, you, you don't have that really intimidating start line where everybody's like lining up and getting all, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pawing the ground before they yeah. get set off. <laughs> yeah. It's much more relaxed. You get into it a little bit and then you do have timed sections, but the field's quite spread out by that point. So you're not racing against somebody. Um, you're timed from when you start to when you stop and it's nothing to do with anyone around you. So mm. they, can, I, th- I think they can be quite a good one for people just getting into the racing and they're a great atmosphere too. So you can kind of get an idea of it and maybe draw you into other ones as well. Yeah, sure. There's also some, you know, you get these... Um, you know, mountain bike challenges that are not, they're not labeled as a competitive event. They are just kind of a, a route that you do at whatever pace you want to do. Um, and they're quite good because they always turn, they always have a little bit of a competitive element just because there's, you know, a clock running and that kind of thing. So they're also good for kind of getting the, the kind of racing bug and that competitive edge, but also just, having no pressure and you you know you can just do um go at whatever pace you want to go at and um it's a really easy way to kind of find out uh like we've been saying where you kind of stack up i guess yeah for sure yeah things like uh the 10 under the bin race is a good one for that because you're doing laps so nobody knows where you are it's not like you can look bad (laughs) because you're (laughs) you could be on your 20th lap or your first lap nobody knows really yeah um but you get an idea because you can look at the results afterwards and you can see yeah like you say uh did this lap fast this lap not so fast here's where i stacked in the full range of 200 people or whatever so that can be a quite a nice entry point as well maybe Okay, cool. Hopefully that was useful. But yeah, main advice there is, Gavin, just get out and do it. Honestly, you'll find that you'll never go to an event. Well, I won't say never. Never say never. Very, very rarely go to an event and get anyone who's like a, a fanny and just like 
uh, is all up themselves and say you're not good enough to enter this race I've never met anyone like that at any race everyone's always been so welcoming so friendly no matter how bad I have performed at it (laughs) (laughs) yeah the mountain bike community tends to be a really friendly one and um, those those kinds of uh, people that that really give others a hard time are quickly uh you know everyone kind of learns about them pretty quick and they're they're uh they're ousted i guess yeah yeah Um, so yeah everyone basically everyone's really nice and friendly (laughs) cool okay right two to finish up so we've got curtis asking a pretty straightforward one this is good curtis ellathorpe thanks for your question curtis uh, it says, I stumbled into your podcast through the Downcast app. Great work. Please keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Curtis. As someone that used to ride a lot, this podcast helps motivate me to get back at it. Maybe some advice for an older guy that weighs a lot and wants to get back to enjoying crushing hills and flowing down single track. <laughs> <laughs> so there's probably a good one for you, uh, Tom. How would you say... What's the first maybe one or two things that someone can do if they've been out of it for five, 10 years and they want to get back into it? I would say certainly start off slow and just, uh, you know, hang on to some hunger at the start because it's easy to get very, uh, very enthusiastic and just um, go a bit overboard. um, And whether that's ends up in kind of mental burnout or, or, or injury, just because you've kind of gone at it a little too, a little too hard, a little too fast. Um, so just, just reining yourself in a little bit and just starting out with some really short rides that are more about fun rather than, um, you know, a a really, a really long ride or something super challenging, you know, you can get to that, um, further down the line once you kind of ease yourself back into it. Um, and I suppose just remembering what you kind of, uh, found fun about it before and just slowly returning to those those elements of mountain biking um whether that's a specific trail or a certain type of riding and um yeah just i think the main message is just to ease back into it nice and slow um yeah. so you don't kind of use all that uh, enthusiasm in in one go yeah there's a big ego thing there isn't there like when you've been good at something in the past and you want to go out there and prove that you can still do it uh, yeah. but then often and yeah, I'm not an old guy I suppose but I'm definitely not in my younger years uh, that I've uh, yeah you notice injuries nowadays if I mm-hmm. if I haven't been out for a few months uh, and I try and go too hard like I'll uh, it stops me it, if you go too hard the, the thing is it's not benefiting you because it stops you going out again for a few days yeah, sometimes yeah. because you hurt yourself a little bit or you're just not feeling great mm-hmm. so it's much better it's more beneficial for you you get more out of it if you take your time a little bit and you can go out more regularly and make sure you're not going to injure yourself and put yourself back in the couch. So yeah, definitely rein in the ego, like you say, Tom, and um, get back into it. But then, yeah. do you know, on yeah. the other on the other side, though, I'm wondering, um, I think well, certainly when, the fact that he said he weighs a lot, so he's obviously feeling like he's got mm. out of shape a little bit. And there's simple little things like um, like doing it in another way. So you're probably not going to get on the out on the bike as much as you want. I'd imagine you've got job, family, that kind of stuff. Uh, simple things like walking. Like I, the, whenever I'm healthy, it's because I'm walking a lot. It's because I get out every single lunchtime um, from work. I'm sit, I sit at a desk all day, every day normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get out and I spend an hour uh, just walking about town, just listening to some podcasts or something like that. Or in an evening, I'll go out for half an hour or an hour as well. And that makes a massive difference because it just gets the, um, the metabolism going um, and it takes up the slack so that your mountain biking starts improving because you're just being a bit more active. Your weight's yeah. coming down a bit because yeah. of that activity. 
Um, and it just gets your body back into doing that kind of stuff, like hardens up a bit, I suppose. <laughs> For sure. I yeah. think that's a great, I think that's a great suggestion. And I would always encourage people just to, um, I mean, we were obviously talking earlier about, uh, getting back into, to riding and mountain yeah. biking, but certainly in terms of just getting back into some kind of fitness routine, yeah. just going for like a half an hour, 40 minute walk. It's something that everyone can do. You can yeah. literally just, there's no, there's nothing to kind of procrastinate with in terms of getting your equipment on and setting things up. You just need to, you know, you can just get out the door yeah. and go for a walk wherever you are. And, yeah. um, just that. Uh, on a consistent basis over a few weeks will uh will make a massive difference to yeah. the you know the calories you're burning the fresh air and everything that goes with it yeah i love i love setting a goal as well it's it's what motivates me sometimes so setting a race particularly and committing to it and telling people <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll enter uh, a triathlon or something say something that's out of my comfort zone something that's not easy for me um and tell people about it and try and get mm. some other people into it as well uh, so if you can get some friends to commit to it as well then suddenly you're committed to this thing and it that's what encourages you to get out and get on the bike even in those days where you're feeling a bit lethargic you're not quite up for yeah, it and yeah um and the only way like he says he wants to enjoy crushing hills and flowing down single track the only way you get that like that is getting out a lot it's getting that practice in um and and for all the best will in the world and as fun as mountain biking is, there's sometimes you're just like, ah, oh, shall I go out on a bike or shall I just sit and play Xbox? And there's always something else you can do, which is less effort. Yes. So having those kind of goals, that kind of commitment um, and even uh, a little uh, a little wager works quite well for me sometimes. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> if I don't compete in this, if I don't get a certain time or just just complete it then i've got to pay you like a hundred pounds or something or uh or i, I know people um tim ferris does this advice like you've got to uh you commit to paying a hundred pounds to a charity that you hate <laughs> so like uh, <laughs> something that you really don't agree with for example or um i don't know find something that you would not enjoy contributing to like a, an opposing political party or something like that um uh, so it's really motivates you to to not fall out on your commitment there <laughs> yeah that kind of accountability is definitely yeah. uh, a good one i've heard of people you know writing on uh, busy forums and that kind of thing yeah, like yeah. telling as many people as they can that they're gonna that they're gonna do this so yeah uh if they if they do fail they've got you know a lot of uh, a lot to deal with so yeah, yeah, yeah definitely yeah, having some accountability is a good way definitely <laughs> cool okay last question uh larry ashley so thanks for sending this in larry and thanks for doing it so recently like you i got this uh, today in fact through the email uh so this was just in time for the episode today cool. uh larry says first love the podcast thank you very much larry uh, still have to finish listening to the backlog love hearing about the trails and conditions overseas uh, so he didn't say where he was from actually but presuming uh, maybe it's the us or australia or something there mm-hmm. uh, there seems to be a lot of racing over there too I liked hearing about the bike and component breakdown all stuff i know but it's good to hear other opinions on stuff um so he goes on to say you guys seem to have most of the same brands of bike we have what do you think of ktm bikes i looked up the my rune but it seems pricey they're pushing ads a lot on facebook but i don't know a single person who's rode one Oh, he lives in Florida, mostly flat. Um, starting to look for a carbon hardtail mountain bike to replace his Surly. So I'm thinking I would like a lesser known brand just to be different, but don't mm. want to end up with a lemon. So I thought, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought this was interesting. Um, I'm not sure whether you know anything about KTM bikes or not, uh, Tom, but um, uh, have you heard of the brand? Do you know them at all? Yeah, I... Um, yeah. I 
there's a there's a UK KTM bikes kind of UK race team oh, okay. um, that 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 have a few riders um, on the UK scene in the sort of um, slightly lower down categories. Cool. Um, so I haven't haven't been up up close and personal with them, but I'm I've definitely seen some of their their hardtails and some of their full suspensions as well. Yeah. Um, and they they do look they definitely look nice. And I met uh, when I was in Norway racing. I met um, a guy. Um, a guy called Trevor from the US who races for their um, their US team. Ah, cool. Um, so uh, you know, I got, again, got a quick quick yeah. look at that bike. Um, they're they're really nice uh, visually, and uh-huh. um, I definitely understand about wanting a, a kind of bike manufacturer or bike model that a lot of other people don't have. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, that's definitely uh, something that that I uh, can empathise with. Yeah. Um, so so that- yeah. That's what yeah. I found interesting about this, actually, because uh, we can we could give like specific advice on bikes that we like and stuff like that. But um, and that's I mean that sounds like KTM are a decent bet. Then if um, I mean if they're in the race circuit and sponsoring riders and stuff, then there's a good mm-hmm. chance they're pretty established, pretty decent quality around for a while anyway. Um, but yeah, the wider question is that whole. Yeah, finding something unknown, finding something unique, because mm. uh, you you know you got the trail and you see like specialised everywhere and giant everywhere and Scott everywhere and that kind of stuff. And I'm the same. Uh, it's great to have something that's a bit less known. Um, what what are the brands that you think then are underrated, like good brands that you don't mm. see around a lot? Well, I I am sponsored by Merida, so there's a sponsorship disclaimer here. But um, I I ride Merida bikes, and um, you know they're actually one of the biggest biggest brands out there. They make a lot of frames for for other some of the other bigger um, manufacturers as well. And they on the on the cross country side of things, they and on the road, they have um, you know some of the most successful teams out there. But you for some reason you don't. They're not quite as ubiquitous as, you know, your Treks and Cannondales yeah, and yeah. Scots. And the bikes are phenomenal. They're, uh, they're, they're like I say, they build bikes for other manufacturers. So they're, they're really at the forefront of, um, of technology, especially on the carbon side. Okay. So Merida are definitely one to check out because they have everything from, um, you know, cross-country carbon hardtails um you know 27.5 and 29er right the way up to trail bikes and um and everything in between so um yeah they've got they've got a big range and uh they're they're not as commonly seen as well yeah for sure i've it's weird actually because as soon as you said marita i was like oh yeah they're quite an old established manufacturer but basically never seen them out in the trail wonder why that is yeah they they, sometimes if when you go to certain countries abroad, they're they're kind of um, all over the place. Really? They're, okay. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're really common. Um, but uh, in the in the UK, they're they're not as they're, they're still out there. Yeah, they, they're definitely um, yeah. and they're. So maybe La- maybe Larry's seen many millions of Maridas because they're so popular in Florida or something. But yeah, certainly not over here. <laughs> it's it's funny country wise. It does make a difference, so doesn't it? Because I um I was really keen to get myself a Santa Cruz because you hardly ever see them in the UK. But I think I believe they're pretty common in the US. I mean, it's a US bike. So, mm. um, but I had a, a super light for maybe two or three years, and I basically never saw anyone else on one of those. Mm. So I quite liked having that. Whereas over here, you've got uh, like orange, white, uh, on one, the British manufacturers, yeah. who um, you see a fair bit. You see a lot of oranges, not so many 
a fair few whites, not many on ones, but I bet you anything, none of them are very common in uh, in the US. No, I would think not. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess shopping shopping for <laughs> other countries uh yeah. popular bikes might be a might be a good way to go yeah. one, that, one that i came across recently so this might just be me out of date on bike and equipment um but canyon seemed to be mm. like right up there in the sort of top five lists all over the place now and i had never heard of them until maybe a year ago i'm sure they've been around for longer than that but mm. they just hadn't been on my radar in any way and then suddenly they just jumped up yeah, they. Um, I I used to ride a canyon quite a few years ago, and I remember at the time, the one of the main reasons I kind of chose it was because um, they they had a really nice brand behind them, and uh-huh. the look of the bikes and the whole um, yeah the whole aesthetic of it was great. But no one was really riding them. Yeah. Um, whereas today they're they're all over the place, um, just because they kind of honed that model of direct to consumer so you can just order your bike online and it comes straight to you yeah. you know there's no there's no retailer fees or distributor fees so the, yeah. the, you got a really good value bike for um you know you got a really well spec bike yeah. for the price you were paying and um yeah. seems is, like a lot of people have caught on to that is now. that still the case yeah i think from what i can see they're they i mean in terms of the bike quality they're excellent um They've they, again. They've got some good teams, um, enduro teams and uh, endurance mountain bike teams that really put them put you know uh, put the prototypes through their paces and develop bikes really well. Yeah. And um, they've got a lot of money behind them now for for research and that kind of yeah. thing. So yeah. um, you just don't have that um, that same accessibility to go try one out at a shop because they're not you know they're, they're straight to consumer rather than through a retailer yeah but yeah. um they they still have a, a size calculator on there um which which works pretty well yeah yeah i'm i'm thinking so in terms of uh, if we give him a couple of recommendations for like lesser known brands mm. certainly if he wants to i mean some of those uk ones i bet you anything uh he was, he's not seen many oranges or whites for example so he built i bet you could get them re- relatively easy over yeah. in the us but on one or a brand i really like they're uk but they don't even they don't show up very much over here even like they're just not that common mm. but they're damn good quality aren't they they're like on one make really good bikes um and a frame that I was wanting. So the frame, so what I'm riding now is a Cove, um, a Cove Hummer, titanium frame. And I'd been looking for a titanium hardtail for ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was torn between. Uh, well, actually, I wasn't torn. I decided on getting the on one uh, titanium frame. And I've lo- done a lot of research around reviews and stuff. And this bike uh, gets amazing reviews. Uh, they do a titanium uh, four five six. Uh, frame um i think they do another one as well what is it the fireline titus tie fireline maybe um but it was a four five six inbred i was looking at and it's only about six seven hundred pounds for the frame titanium frame so it's like um, i know this isn't carbon but you know it's similar kind of benefits but better Mm -hmm. in some ways uh so i wonder if that's something because that is it's a a really nice looking frame you'll see nobody else in the trail with one of those uh and it's um very unknown very good quality definitely not a lemon uh but yeah that's that could be a, an option i think <laughs> yeah i think <laughs> I we mentioned we mentioned planet x last time i think yeah, didn't yeah. we so um i for bacon uh, clothes actually that, yeah, in that case yeah. wasn't it it was so that might yeah definitely a good recommendation yeah there. you can do them by post so i bet anything they would ship one to us and mm-hmm. cost a wee bit but it's a very good value frame for not very much so it could be worth the postage yeah 
So it's either Merida, Merida or On One, I think we're saying, aren't we? I think so, yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, thanks very much for that, Larry. I hope that was useful. Um, do you know, that's something about a lot of people have input on. Uh, if you have a suggestion for a bike, uh, your kind of most uh, desired bike, the, the, fr- the frame you're looking for, the, the bike you're looking for, uh, something that you think's not very common, that you, your kind of dream setup, I'd love to hear from you. Send an email to colin at mountainbikespark.com or tweet us uh, at Colin MC Gray or Tom your by Tom Bell I believe yeah that's right yeah by Tom Bell uh, and let us know what uh, you think uh, Larry should get so what should it be some kind of uncommon really good bike uh, that'll make them stand out in a trail but uh, be good quality as well <laughs> cool <laughs> always good fun talking about buying new bits yeah definitely gets you gets you excited <laughs> <laughs> okay that's the end of the season we're done we are it's uh yeah it's uh considering the amount of episodes that we've done it's it's gone really it's gone really quickly yeah it's been um, great fun I'm, it's been really great to have you on as well tom uh, it's been good to get your uh, your feedback on it it's been really interesting hearing about your racing stuff getting all your much more technical input on uh, you know fitness and uh, bike setup and all that kind of stuff um so yeah thanks again for joining me Ah, no problem. I, I like I say, uh, the end of most of these uh, shows, I just love talking, uh, talking through all this stuff, and um, we should have lots, uh, lots to go at in the next season when yeah, that comes around. Indeed, I think uh, we're not going to decide. We haven't decided yet. We're not going to announce or anything about what we're going to do in the next season. I think we might do a bit more of a a mix up there's a few different ideas we've gone through based on the questions we've had and stuff mm-hmm. that's come up in this season so it might not be quite so much uh, like a 10-15 episode or in one particular topic but um, we'll we'll definitely do I, I like the approach where we go through a few episodes around one particular thing and kind of cover it in depth so we'll definitely keep doing that but I think technique will be a big one definitely mm-hmm. going to do something around technique a few episodes around you know beginner stuff um, up to advanced even as well uh, I think trails. I think definitely some we talked a little bit about covering more of your uh, your development as well, your career basically, like covering how to be a racer and you know how you you know a week, a month, a year in the life of being a mountain bike racer too. <laughs> so be cool to do more of that stuff too. Cool. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about it. But yeah, if you're listening, what we'll do is we're going to be away for a few weeks, I think. I think we're going to take a break of four weeks. So this episode should go out at the end of. August. So what I think we'll do is we'll take September off and we'll come back start of October. So if you're listening to this uh, straight after it's come out, it'll be something like the end week, end of August, start of September. We'll be back in about four weeks. So don't unsubscribe. Don't think that we've uh, stopped doing this. Uh, We'll definitely be back. We'll be back, I think, the first week of October with the first episode of season three. Um, and we'll be back with a bang we'll be back with plenty of stuff I think we're going to be uh, a bit more exciting stuff around uh, maybe some competitions and things like that too I've got a few ideas of uh, how we can get listeners more involved next time around so uh, yeah I'll talk to you about that Tom in a break sounds good (laughs) (laughs) okay thanks again for joining me Tom Ah, no problem Colin thanks again yourself and thanks yourself out there for listening thanks for giving us your time again we know how precious it is I hope we've entertained you inspired you taught you something if not then let us know (laughs) tell us what was wrong tell us what was bad tell us what was good get in touch as always go on to mountainbikespark.com and uh, browse through the articles let us know what you think alright talk to you next time thanks thanks